0: Hi, this is Pat Blythe, and welcome to Love the Music. Today's date is Tuesday, February 15th, 2022. These are the Pandemic Interviews, conversations in a changing time. I'm revisiting artists I spoke with last year, and today it's Susie Corey. A bit of background. Susie was born in Beirut, raised in Toronto. She burst onto the music scene in 2017 with a rock EP entitled Spellcasting, produced by John Angus MacDonald of The Trues, a huge Axl Rose Guns and, uh, Guns and Roses fan. The first time I saw Susie perform, she was rocking it out with her band at Cherry Colas. We met, talked, and have become good friends. She disappeared from the scene for a while and in 2018 came back stronger than ever with a new drive, a new look, and a brand new sound. Susie had segued from hard rock to country. She's now well ensconced in the country music scene here in Canada. Susie's released seven singles in three years, the most recent, called I've Got a Feeling, featuring her husband, quote unquote, Johnny Toronto. Creative, energetic, full of optimism, and a huge can do will do attitude, there seems to be nothing holding this country artist back, and only sunshine and opportunities lie ahead. Welcome, Susie.
1: Hello, Pat. How are you? I'm
0: good. How are you?
1: (laughs) Well, me and my ego are in good check right now after that intro.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Well, we will proceed to question number one. We're now 18 months and four variants into this pandemic. We've managed to make it through 2020, and we're now coming to the end of 2021. What were your expectations for 2021? That things were going to get better. And I know
1: some people might argue with me, but I feel like they have. I think, you know, as we've spoken the last time that we did the interview, that for me, it's perspective. It's how you look at things. And as an individual, we have to see the positive in everything and know that things are going to get better and be a part of that in changing it. You know, that despite everything that is happening externally, as individuals, we still have power in what we can do. And, you know, like... uh, without getting too much into it, but the festival that I did last year, I was still able to do it again this year, even though I wasn't sure at the beginning of the summer and I kind of pulled the gun on it or pulled the trigger on it um, last minute to do it because when things started to open up. So point is, I think you just always have to look for the opportunities with whatever circumstances you have. There's always a chance to make things happen and you just got to do
0: that and get creative with it. Okay, so you referenced the summer of 2020, you put on the Love Revolution, that was your first drive in festival. Yeah. So that and you actually took that festival to uh, Nashville, just outside of Nashville, I believe, Columbus, Columbia, Columbia, (laughs) Columbia, Tennessee. Yeah. So what's been keeping
1: you out of trouble this year? Um, just continuing to record music. You know, as you mentioned, I had another single come out, Got a Feeling. And other than that, I recorded two more singles down in Los Angeles. So I've still been traveling and kind of, I don't want to say life as usual, but it kind of has been in so many ways. It hasn't stopped me from doing what I need to do. Obviously, the live music thing has slowed down a little bit. But then come summer, you know, I probably did more shows than any other time. So it's been fantastic in that way. And I still have some shows lined up for this fall as well. So again, I think that how you look at things kind of determines where things are going to go for you as a person. And, you know, even when we're not doing the live shows, if things start to close down for whatever reason, as we come in, or, you know, it's more restricted in the fall and winter, you can focus on other things like your craft. And that was one of the things we talked about also in the other interview in 2020, when we had lockdowns and things like that. It was about sitting down and writing, learning how to, you know, um, play an instrument better. For myself personally, I still can't play guitar really well. (laughs) So maybe, you know, this fall, winter, I'll look at doing that a little bit more. But also I've been personally looking more into um, syncing music and getting into film, television, possibly getting other performers to sing my music, um, songwriting with other songwriters. I haven't done a lot of that. So I have all these things that I'm still looking ahead to that can be done remotely. It can be done not necessarily, you know, having to travel or anything like that.
0: You like traveling.
1: I absolutely love traveling. (laughs) I just went to Calgary two weeks ago. How was that trip? Incredible. I, you know, I always laugh because, as you know, I worked in airlines for about 20 years. I've been all over the world, seen so many different countries. And yet I barely know Canada. (laughs) Because, you know, every time I could get on a plane, I wasn't going to fly four hours to still be in the same country. And now it oddly enough, with all the restrictions and things like that, I said, okay, let's keep this simple. I have a few days, let me just get away for a few days. And I thought, where? And I have friends in Calgary. So I ended up going out there and just unbelievable. It was so beautiful. (laughs)
0: Beautiful country, especially down in Banff and Lake Louise area. Yeah, and that's where I ended up going and, you know, did a hike
1: up there. And Mm -hmm. and Lake Louise, it takes you to, I think it was Lake Agnes. And up there, there's a tea house. And it's so beautiful. It's almost like the studio. It's a little cabin, so cozy. And all they serve there is different kinds of teas and sandwiches and soups. And it was just
0: incredible, beautiful. It looked like a fantastic trip. I saw some of your pictures. (laughs) So has anything changed? as far as your approach to your craft? Or are you just, you know, sort of on the same path, full steam ahead? Yeah, I would say pretty much it is. I mean,
1: I don't know if it's fair for me, you know, for whatever I'm going to say to be a representation of most musicians, because even when this first, the onset of covid I had only been doing it for a couple of years anyways. You know, it's not like I've been in this long term. Um, as you mentioned, I started in 2017. I barely had any live shows under my belt anyways. So it's not like I got cut off all of a sudden. I was just getting into the whole thing of doing live shows. So if anything, especially this past summer, one of my focuses has been to study other artists, see how they put together a show, so that it's not just me getting up on stage and singing. I want it to really be an experience. And so I've been looking at some of the greatest artists and how they put together a show and trying to bring small elements of that. But of course, you can only do that by doing it. And we're limited in the number of shows that we can do. So each show, I'm kind of introducing something new, an element and trying out, see how it works and finding myself on stage. But I'm also realizing I really do love the live part of it too. And, um, you know, any way that I can make it happen, I will, even if it's private concerts, whatever it is. um, I'm still looking at trying to keep that part of it going. But other than that, other parts of the career, it really is as normal, because I've been able to write and record with my producer Brent Woods in LA. Um, I did travel down there to record, but we've done some writing over Zoom. And I'm looking now, like I mentioned earlier about, possibly songwriting with other songwriters here in
0: ontario which i haven't really done before now you've mentioned a few times you haven't been in the business that long so i did interview Susie about a year and a half ago this is a revisit so just uh, encapsulate your introduction and what happened and how you got into the music business so I was in the aviation
1: industry. <laughs> but before that, when I was a teenager, as you'd mentioned, one of my biggest idols, you know, Guns N' Roses and Axl Rose, I'd seen them, they were my first concert, and something just clicked that I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Um, the short synopsis is that my parents said, no, you are not doing this. <laughs> it's not, not a Not surprising, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, and so I ended up following my other passion, which was aviation. But then about six and a half years ago, I moved back from the Middle East where I had moved out for a job um, I moved back here to Toronto and as I started going to concerts and shows it just something got reignited inside of me and then it really culminated with that one when I the time I got to meet Axel Rose I flew out to LA and as fate would have it you know I ran into him on purpose <laughs> I happened to be at his home on purpose accidentally. in search <laughs> yeah on purpose accidentally that's yeah. exactly it but as fate would have it, he happened to be outside of his home. I met him, talked to him. And it just that really triggered something in my mind about the whole manifestation thing. I've always kind of read about that and believed in it. And to have it happen, it showed me that I could do a lot more than I thought was possible. And that's when I started pursuing this. I thought, you know, I have nothing to lose. I've done the whole corporate career, you know, climbing up the ladder thing. And now it was time to just change my whole life around and follow my passion and my kids had grown up and so I had a lot more freedom than I did before in being able to travel and so on and it's just been one incredible story after another since I started pursuing what it is that I feel I'm put on this earth to do god that sounds so pretentious
0: well <laughs> when I met you at Cherry Cola's I think yeah. that's the first time we met because mm-hmm. the second time was CMW yeah when you broke into song with Bobby Cotola that's another story <laughs> but I I Walked into Cherry Cola's, it was Susie Corey and her band on stage, hard rock and roll. And it was like I thought, well, you'd be I'd heard your name, you'd been around for a while. And if that was your first performance, I think. No, my or first, second.
1: Yeah, it was one of my I mean, one of my really early performances, but probably I would say I think my fourth. Because <laughs> my first one was at the rock pile, which I'm playing. Um, Right.
0: You're back there this tomorrow night.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, the rock pile was really my first breakthrough into performing 2017. Um, Then my second show out of all places was at the Whiskey A Go Go in L.A. (laughs) So. Go figure how you go from playing the rock pile to the Whiskey A Go Go in L.A. as your second show. For a
0: short time in the music business, you've gone from the rock pile (laughs) to the Whiskey A Go Go, and I do believe Brazil. My third show was Brazil. Go figure. (laughs) Festival. So, you know, dream big. That's all I can say. Manifestation works. (laughs) Yep. Wow. One of my questions from last year was, what's going to bring audiences back? to see live music and crowds again. And I know we just just had a chat when Susie came in earlier with my engineer, John Jameson. Um, And of course, top of mind is COVID and vaccines. So the obvious answer from most of the people that I interviewed last year was, well, a vaccine will bring crowds back. And we were really positive and hopeful that this was going to happen and fix our problems. Now we have multiple vaccines to choose from, and yet the tables seem to have turned with some pretty aggressive anti-vax, anti-mask protests going on, not just in Canada, but around the world. And we're seeing some pretty heavy-duty demonstrations. Some people were just arrested last night, trying to force their way into the Eaton Center. So what do you think happened? (laughs) We went from, yeah, vaccines are great, we're going to get live music back, to like, it seems half the world is against vaccines and masks. Yeah. What do you what turn what what made us turn that corner? What do you think? Well, I think we talked about it a little bit before
2: getting yeah.
1: on air right now. And you know, my personal view of it, and again, this is just my personal view yep. is that we have to be careful about not going to extremes on either side of it. And you know, the whole perception of anti-maskers and anti-vaxxers. Anybody who is saying I'm not going to get vaccinated is all of a sudden labeled an anti-vaxxer. I don't think that's fair because I know several people personally. They're not anti-vaxxers and they're not anti-maskers, but what they are is for freedom of choice. And that's where we have to be careful of what's being enforced on people. And you know, I don't wanna get political. I, I, You probably noticed in my feeds on social media, I don't even go there with these subjects. I have my personal opinions of it. And all I'm trying to do, as you know, tomorrow I have a show, you know, I'm starting to look at now, I don't want to see people segregated, and so my priority now, moving forward, is going to be how can we make shows happen where we're not allowing certain people in, and others cannot be allowed in. To me, that doesn't sit right with me. I mean, as the person who is the so-called founder of the Love Revolution, about bringing people together, that was the whole point of that festival: is bringing people together in love, from you know, music and peace and love for people. It's like this whole hippie concept. I can't be okay with this of having people separated and segregated. So I've talked to some people who have venues and thinking, you know, how can we try and make this happen, whether we make the outdoor patio kind of enclosed and warmed up with screens so that people can still watch the show happening. What I mean, I'm just putting ideas out there. But I really believe rather than complain about what's happening, we just have to try and find solutions. We have to figure this out. Because we cannot have it where people are being separated. Lovers of music. I know personally, my own fans, you know, I was mentioning um, that for tomorrow's show, I had people who bought tickets that can't come. But they said, we still want to support you. And they bought a ticket, even though they're not coming. That's not okay with me. (laughs) You know, I know what they're trying to do. And I appreciate and I love them. But I can't have someone who bought a ticket not coming. So that puts the onus on me as an artist. And I think all artists need to look at what can we do to solve this issue? There has to be a way.
0: I'm just wondering what, you know, we were so positive last year with vaccines and masking and everybody was washing their hands and, and, you know, following the general rules. And all of a sudden, we just seemed twist yeah. to twist um, to anti-vax, anti-mask, anti-this, anti-that. And it's like, what changed it from optimism and hope to this fear and and this divisiveness that the, these these campaigns have caused, and I don't know if it's governments. I don't know what's changed. Well, I think you hit it right on the
1: nail. You know, Ooh, I've always governments.
0: well, leadership. You know, anybody who's in the
1: place of leadership has an onus and responsibility to find ways to bring people together. And what's happening right now is actually those same people are dividing people, and that's the scary thing. Then now it comes down to us as people i've seen so many of my own friends you know say listen we this is on us to fix this and love each other and care for each other and not judge each other based on whether you've decided you know no matter what side of the fence you're on it doesn't change how i feel about anybody who i love and I love everybody. <laughs> everybody knows me. I don't hate anybody. I'm actually with you on that one. Yeah, you know. So now we can't rely on our leaders. We've seen what they're doing, and to me, that's not acceptable. You can't be as a leader of a country dividing people and cr- creating hatred. So now it's on us to say, I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm going to love everybody, and that you know anything based on fear will turn into negative, and anything based on love. I know it sounds so hippy-like. positive, But it is, yeah, it will change everything. And we have that power. I think people don't realize how much power they have. As an individual, if you make a decision how you're going to move forward with this, and if you're moving that every decision is based on love, there's no way you can hate other people. And we wouldn't have all the problems we're having right now.
0: It's kind of like voting. Everybody, one person says, well, if if I don't vote, nobody's going to notice. But if you put that to 10,000 people who decide, I'm not going to vote, nobody's going to notice. That's 10,000 votes. It could turn the corner. Yeah. Love Revolution was co-written by Susie Corey and Brent Woods in 2019. According to Susie, the song was inspired by a feeling that a big change was coming in the world a change that would have humanity returning to the simpler things in life, and what mattered most. Although the song was completed by fall of 2019, I had decided to hold on to it until I felt the time was right for the message to be put out into the world. The song was finally released in 2020, and spawned the first ever Love Revolution Drive-In Country Music Festival in Caven, Ontario. Founded and produced by Susie, the festival features a taste of Ontario's finest local independent country artists. The Love Revolution Festival returns to Caven on July 16th this year in 2022 to celebrate the third anniversary. In these uncertain and sometimes disheartening times, we could all use a Love Revolution. virtual collaboration. Well, it's nothing I ever intended for. You know, I didn't <laughs> Cuz you're em- doing it now.
1: Again, you mentioned with Yeah, even with my producer Brent. Yeah. You know, I always joke around, but I think there's a lot of truth to it. I say to him not only is he a fantastic producer and I love we co-write all the songs together and we just we have a great chemistry uh, musically. And I say to him though, I chose you because I want an excuse to go to LA. <laughs> I had to have a reason Good to be excuse. going this. Yeah. And now, damn this, I have to use, you know, uh, do this virtually. It's not half as fun, but it is great. I mean, we're so fortunate for having this. And I started also during COVID um,
0: taking vocal lessons, which oddly enough, yes, you know. You mentioned that in our last interview. So yeah, you are doing
1: that. Yeah. So imagine, you know, first I start my career in music and then I decide, hey, wait, maybe I should take some lessons, <laughs> learn how to sing. Well, it's just because, you know, having gone into country, I realized that it's incredible, the voices that I've heard. And with rock, you can get away with a lot in country, especially when you're doing acoustic shows. You're so bare and naked (laughs) that if you don't tell the story with your voice, there's not much else, you know, because songs are a lot of times really stripped down and it's very important that you have that vocal technique. So anyhow, back to the virtual thing. I started doing virtual lessons with, you know, my teacher Tamara is in Calgary. So again, having the access to do it that way is priceless. So it's been great that way.
0: Do you think the isolation that we've been experiencing off and on, more on than off in the last 18 months, has encouraged collaboration among artists or between artists that wouldn't normally... collaborate together oh for sure yeah
1: and you know I've done singer-songwriter nights which is we're not writing songs but we're performing together and like Nicole Ray another country singer um, she does a lot of these all-woman shows and she'll get artists you know where before we would do it and right now she's doing it at the Moonshine Cafe in Oakville it's local artists but when we started she moved it to online all of a sudden we had artists from BC from Calgary from wherever and it was like where else would we have had this kind of opportunity, you know, to be on the same program and showcase with people from all over Canada? And that was kind of cool because, you know, for one night we got to chat with each other and get to know each other. Whereas this show was, had always been local artists from Ontario here performing at the Moonshine. So it has changed it in positive ways. My only thing that I would say is I'm not a fan of the online only because of the quality of, you know, the performance, it doesn't quite come off as your best performance <laughs> when you have sound issues. And, you know, and it's not any fault of the artist, but it certainly doesn't always shed the best light on artists.
0: Now, again, when we talked the last time you were hoping to tour last year, you were yeah. been in your first tour on the road. So how do you see touring down the road now do you think that's going to change are you still hoping to put a tour together for maybe 2021 yeah you know nothing
1: stops me <laughs> <I> <laughs> nothing applied... stops applied <laughs> yeah um i applied for a p2 visa and got it in three weeks i, I know john said he paid for extra i didn't <laughs> don't know how long yours took. But um, yeah, I was shocked. I you know, they told me two months, I got it in three weeks. And this was a few weeks ago. So now I've been in talks with a few promoters down in the US. And that's really where I'm setting my sights. Not to say I won't be doing shows in Canada, but I'd rather go where it's warmer.
0: <laughs> yeah, you like spending a lot of time in Malibu. I noticed those flights down to LA.
2: Oh, yeah. And,
0: yeah, on the beach. But it's funny, I had in my mind Texas, I
1: really want to do a tour of Texas, kind of like ZZ Top did, you know, that big What did they call it? The worldwide tour of Texas or something like that. It was hilarious. Texas is a
0: country, don't you know? It really (laughs) is.
1: Well, I mean, it's massive, right? But I just, I feel, I don't know why. My gut just says go to Texas. And all of a sudden I had people contact me from Texas and saying, you know, we saw your stuff. And oddly enough, we are on LinkedIn. (laughs) I always tell people, you never think LinkedIn, you know, artists don't even bother to put on there because they're on Instagram and TikTok and whatever. But LinkedIn is really the place where I think a lot of the industry people are. So promoters, radio people. I've gotten podcast shows, radio interviews, everything through LinkedIn.
0: Wow. Yeah. I'm going to go totally off course here and (laughs) ask you about your husband, and I use that in quotes (laughs) loosely, Johnny Toronto. Where the hell did that idea come from?
1: So it started as a video
0: concept.
1: You know, I want to shoot a video for Got a Feeling, and Got a Feeling, the song, is about love at first sight. And I have to say, it's not really about anyone in particular. It was just a ditty that came into my mind, the chorus, you know, the, got a feeling, got a good, good feeling, got a, and I, I, it stuck in my head. And so anyways, I write this song, record it, and then I want to shoot a fun music video. And when I sat down with uh, Roadhouse Productions, who, AJ Astle, who runs that, he's also my bass player, and he does unbelievable music videos. And so I said to him, let's do a video for this song. Um, and he said, okay, well, do you have a concept? And all of a sudden I realized at the time it was April, we were under lockdown. I said, how funny would it be if my love is a blow up doll because we're under lockdown and that's all I can get right now.
0: (laughs) I'm not even going to ask you where that idea percolated from. Okay, Yeah,
1: my mind goes to funny places. (laughs) But anyhow, you know, so and then I took it one step further, this whole TikTok thing, because especially during 2020, TikTok really blew up. You know, with um because people were at home and all they could do is make TikTok videos and dances and everything and I go, "So what if me and him get TikTok famous? You know, we blow up on TikTok and get like 100 million viewers um or followers." So they thought that was fantastic, but he was a little bit worried about would it become off as corny or cheesy or, you know, could we really make it funny and Fortunately, I believe it came out as super funny. But we did the video. And then afterwards, I went, you know what, why don't I take this a step further and really live this like where I go out with him. And I literally this whole summer, he's been everywhere with me, including LA, Nashville, and all over Toronto, you know, I would go, I remember being in downtown Toronto and a whole bunch of guys saw me and they were like, oh my God, you know, and they want to take pictures with him, everything. And I had cards that showed Johnny Toronto, whatever. So later on, a couple of weeks later, I'm in Port Credit, Port Credit. <laughs> and these guys are staring at me. And I'm like, I didn't have the wig on and everything. Cause when I go downtown, I'd have the pink wig, like the video and whatever. And then they came up to me and they go, aren't you the girl with that blow up doll? And he wasn't with me at that. I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> it's working. <laughs> this is, But it's it really it's been incredible. And it taught me about, you know, that's marketing and you just come up with these crazy ideas. It works. You know, I mean, for me, I was doing it because it was fun. I didn't sit and go, hmm, what's a really smart strategic marketing thing? But then I even had people in the industry reach out to me and they go, you know, go, that was brilliant. Like, that was really smart marketing because everywhere I went, people were questioning, what is this? And they wanted to know more. Of course, that gives you the opportunity to tell them about the single and the video and everything else. Even once I went to Costco and I had them in the car. And he has my shirt on, you know, the got a feeling with me and him on there. It says Susie Corey. So I go in Costco, I buy my groceries, come back out, I go home. And then I see someone on TikTok had posted a TikTok video of him in the car by himself. And I go, well, how did he know that was me? Like to tag me in the video. And then I realized, oh my God, he's wearing this shirt, Susie Corey. (laughs) So the guy knew. Like, okay, this is fantastic, you know. So for anybody who needs uh, marketing advice, call me.
0: Off the cuff. (laughs) Right. Yeah, it was spur the, the spur of the moment, and the whole lighthearted spirit of everything that you've been doing, Johnny Toronto. It was brilliant.
1: Well, you know, also my big thing behind that was I wanted people to laugh again. We'd been so serious about things, and I'm just like, we need to stop taking ourselves so seriously and life so seriously. And every time I went out, I'd see laughter. You know, people just dying of laughter of what is this? And I'd see people with their phones trying to hide, like that they're recording me. And I would just die laughing. And I go, you know what? I don't care. Like, I'm so shameless. (laughs) But to see people laughing again and come up to you, strangers of every age group, and want to like take a picture with Johnny and, you know, people were connecting again. And I went, this is why I'm doing this. This is perfect. You know, it's bringing people together and making people laugh and smile
0: the video is brilliant you watch it you should, people watch it it's, it's it is it's I've watched it actually a few times it, it is brilliant
1: well my poor children that's the only thing I you know I don't know what they're thinking right now because they see their mother walking around with a blow of doll and somehow it's become normal we've gone on um, you know outings or whatever and he's sitting in the car with my two kids. <laughs> he's and okay I, and i mean i don't say anything to them but i'm just sitting there in the car going i can't believe my two kids are sitting and not saying anything that he's sitting in the back seat with
0: that like especially my younger son who sits in the
1: back like johnny toronto's seated next to him with the seatbelt
0: it becomes normal when i got back into the music business after my husband died yeah. um and i remember I, I, about a year into it and my youngest son was still at home and I remember him commenting at one point, he said, my mom's got a, a busier social life than I do. <laughs> you know, he's going out to the clubs. My my sons had for a while had thought I'd both lost, you know, I had a lot, they both thought I'd lost it. <laughs> and then realized that I was actually seriously getting back into this and with the photography and stuff. So it's just, they couldn't believe it. They finally left me alone. They check in, they check in <clears throat> far less frequency, fre- frequently now, but uh, I know your sons are probably thinking the same thing. And now they think this is normal.
1: Uh, Yeah. This is mom normal. (laughs) You can normalize just about anything if you do it long enough.
0: Live streaming. Now you were do, you mentioned that just a little while ago, you were doing quite a bit of it during the summer
1: Mm -hmm. with
0: your guitar player, Jeff Brown. (laughs) Um, so you've done you were doing that you've I, I don't think you're doing it right now. But how do you feel about live streaming? I mean, it's just we've, we've now gone into theaters. Yeah, it's become a lot bigger, a lot more professional people are selling tickets to it now. But is that is that a marketing tool? Or do you think that's really how we're going to go down the road?
1: I don't think it's going to go down that way. I mean, listen, I what do I know? <laughs> but I, I don't think that's the way you want to present music to people because it's not the best way to present music. A large part of it is the interaction with people with live, you know, performance is making people feel something. And I'd love to say that you can do that through a screen, but I really don't think you can. I would watch a lot of my friends, you know, online performances, and I know them as phenomenal musicians, but it doesn't have the same energy. It just possibly can't. And I appreciated everybody, you know, um it was more during the winter or spring months that I was doing yeah. those live streams. I was really I don't want to say dead set against it because I'm not dead set against anything, but I tried it just to try it out. We had a great time only because me and my guitarist like we have a blast and we're so silly and don't take ourselves too seriously that that one hour performance, I think people enjoyed it for the not just the musical part of it, but because we were just acting so silly, you know, and joking in between and whatever, that it was really more of just, it was a conversation between ourselves and the audience who was watching. And I appreciate everybody who was a part of that and watching, and they really were fantastic. And you could see the comments and talk to people that way. But it doesn't even come close. I mean, once we did our first show, I played at Signal Brewery in Belleville. Mm -hmm. And that was just before we went into another lockdown. So I was lucky to get that one show. I remember Jeff and I looking at each other going. Oh my God, people, (laughs) people, you know, and the energy in the room and you can't, it doesn't compare. It just doesn't. And I don't think you can deliver to people what it is you have to give through a computer screen or television screen or whatever it may be. So yeah, no, that's not a way to go.
0: (laughs) So we'll keep it on the EPK area. Yes. And do live as live. Yeah. Do you think 2020 was a career killer for musicians, especially those that aren't so well established or weren't so well established? Only if you think it is. <laughs> Good answer. Right?
1: It's like the saying. What is it? Uh, if if you if you think you can, or if you think you can't, you're right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's it whatever does. you think it is. Right. Yeah. I didn't see it that way. So and I'm not trying to sound cocky. As you know, I did something about it. You know, I went, OK, what can I do? Well, I can write more music. Oh, well, I can try and pick up this guitar. And I started actually writing to a guitar. So I still won't play in front of people. But I learned basic chords so that I could write with it. And when I send music to my producer, I had given a better idea of what I'm thinking as opposed to just singing it to him. So, you know, and then, of course, you. Um, shooting music videos, because you were still okay to have um, a production, um, as long as, you know, there was certain protocols in yep. place. So there's still so much you could do. And then realizing I could do private shows, you know, I started doing things at um, people's residences, small groups or whatever, whatever was allowed. So it's just going, okay, I can't do this, what can I do? And within those confines trying to build up slowly what you can do. So is it a career killer? Absolutely not. And with social media now, you can still keep things going. So, you know, if people think I'm doing so much and don't realize a lot of times I'm home, you know, but the way it's portrayed, people think I'm always busy and flying away and whatever. But I might post a picture that was in LA like a few months ago and people think you're in LA again. It's like, no, I'm not. I'm here. But, you know, this happened a few months ago, whatever. But it's just social media can keep things going for you. If that makes any sense. Yep. Yep.
0: Your optimism and zip certainly made an impression on Paul DeLong.
1: (laughs) I know I saw it or I heard the interview and I went, whoa, that was cool. So thank you, Paul.
0: (laughs) A brand new song by Susie Corey, A Better Man, was inspired by one of Susie's closest friends. The song is about a touring musician who suddenly finds himself off the road in 2020. Taking the time to reflect on his life and making some life-altering changes, he finds he is in a much happier place. Susie felt it was the right time to put out this song. Although this was her friend's personal story, many could relate. She calls it a message of hope. Things can and will get better, and you can make positive changes in your life.
3: A son be a wandering cowboy But a dream and a fight Could sometimes steal you away see watching over you with another
0: People are continuing to plan with hope and optimism, or do you think more people are now starting to take it day by day?
1: I think it's a mixture of both. And I think you have to do both. I mean, my my philosophy on life is put things out there and then let go of expectations. It's the wanting things to that they must happen and this should happen. That's where you fall into, you know, this trap and of expectations and that can leave you depressed or, you know, feeling like you didn't fulfill what you should be fulfilling. So do I have goals? Absolutely. Must I have those goals manifest? No, because I do believe whatever is going to happen for you and whatever is intended for you and whatever that path might be is going to happen, but you have to be open to it. So if you put things so like these walls in front of you that this is going to happen step one, this is step two, this is step three, and you hold so tightly to those things, um, you could possibly be stopping other things from coming into your path. It's like me, you know, I had this idea that now I want to go down to Texas. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do there. I don't really have any particular plan, but I'm letting it stay open. But I applied for the visa and I went, okay, if the visa happens, then maybe I'm supposed to be down there. Well, I got the visa. Now do I know what's happening? No. But I'm again, I'm just, you know, I'm putting it out there. I have the plan in my head. Do I have the details? No. That'll come into my path. I know because that's the way it works. And that might sound crazy to people who like things organized. <laughs> what are you doing? But that's the way I work. You have to stay open and with the flow of life, you know, and not be so stringent on like, no, this must happen and that must happen. I, I have lots of dreams. I want to perform with Axel Rose. How that's going to happen, I don't know. But it's going to happen. But I'm just open to it. And when it does happen, I'll be ready.
0: If your third performance out of the blue is in Brazil at a major <laughs> festival, I think you'll probably be singing with Axel Rose at some point. You are the true definition of the word or the phrase, winging it. <laughs> we all have a tendency to put things off or postpone things. So do you think there will be less procrastination going forward now and sort of seizing the moment or as as uh, I believe Paul DeLong said carpe diem
1: yeah well I mean that's always been my philosophy on life is what you can do today get done you know and don't put things off I think people have it's so weird and it may sound morbid to say this but the more you realize that death is inevitable and you don't know when it's coming the more alive you are Right, because then, like, I don't know if I'm here tomorrow. So why would I waste time? I just feel like when I get an idea in my head and I want to do something, I just go do it. And like, you know, you're referencing the show in Brazil. People are like, "Are you crazy? You're going to go play like a festival in Brazil?" And it's my third show, and I really, I didn't have a lot of stage experience. Did it stop me? No. And you know, even if I had made a fool of myself, I don't know any of those people, (laughs) so what does it matter anyway? You're never going to see them again. Right. But oddly enough. In the audience was um, Daryl hers from you know Indie, Indie Week. Yes. And he's the head of Indie Week and the founder of it. And he happened to be there. And he was just like, who's this girl from Canada playing a festival in Brazil? I was the only Canadian there performing on this festival. And then, you know, to know that it was my third show, just because I happened to have met those musicians um, from Trampa. Yeah. One of the indie weeks before I even got into music, I hadn't even written a song when I met them, but I thought they were so incredible that I went up to them, got to know Rodrigo, you know, the guitarist, and we became really, really good friends. Who knew a year later, there we were performing in Brazil. So that's why, you know, just go with it and say yes
0: and figure out the details after. Definitely seize the day. Do you think artists have a tendency to be more flexible or adaptable To change. And yes, um, this question has been asked by many and we bring up the word pivot, which is gone from being a great word to being um, an overused word. Um, But do you think they're more adaptable or flexible to change? Well, I
1: think this situation with what's going on has forced people to have to decide if they're willing to change or they're not. And, you know, it only makes it more difficult for you, not just in music, but in anything in life, if you're not adapting to life, because life is not a straight line in any way, as we all know. You know, when people look at me, sometimes they have the impression that my life is all rainbows and unicorns, because I'm always so happy. And I say, it's not because I haven't been through the same trials and tribulations that most people have. I'm a human being. And there's, you can't avoid certain, you know, whether it's tragedies or just different life experiences, we all go through them. But it's how you react to them. And the more you're able to change and adapt and accept change, and know that change is not a bad thing. It's actually a great thing. I mean, I'm someone who's easily bored. So you know, I changed countries, I moved to the Middle East, which is as far removed as you can possibly get from being, you know, having grown up in North America. But I adapted to that. And I tried, I learned Arabic, I became fluent in the language, got to travel all over the world. And so the more you're open to change, the more you're open to incredible
0: experiences and really living life. That's why we're here. Do you think that what we've experienced for the last 18 months has heightened the awareness and the value of music and musicians and arts and entertainment in general?
1: Without a doubt. And especially we saw it, you know, in the beginning, we were talking about live streams. Um, for a lot of people who were kind of house ridden and staying home during lockdowns, that's what they were saying is just we are so thankful to artists who are coming out and providing entertainment for us. You know, they'd run out of shows to watch because they watched all of like binge watching Netflix, and then you're done and then what? So there were these, you know, tons and hundreds of artists performing free and whether it was local indie artists or whether it was even the big name artists you could see them in your living room you know in the comfort of your living room and I think people really understood that that form of entertainment how really valuable and the joy it brings to people so and also not being able to go see people live people now felt the difference of how much it really meant to them to go to a concert and to a show. So when I did the Love Revolution Festival last summer, that was one, it was actually the first driving country music festival to happen that summer. And to see the joy in people, I mean, that day was scorching hot. And I remember going around to everybody and saying, are you okay? Do you need water? They're like, we don't care. We're so happy. This is live music. Just to be out in the open and to hear live music, we have not one complaint.
0: So, yeah, for sure it did. During the pandemic, and not so much now, but in the first, I'd say, 14 months or so, everybody was on a level playing field, right? It didn't matter what echelon you were at as far as the artists go. So... Do you think that would have been a good time for local artists, indie artists in particular, to, as live music was starting to creep out, people were allowed to play on street corners or in parks or patios, a good time for the indie artists to sort of get out there, push their music, publicize themselves, make themselves known before the major competition came back into Rogers Center etc. And all of a sudden, that level seems to be wiped out when the larger acts come in, people tend to ignore the more local acts.
1: Right. Um, I think, you know, 100%. And you saw that in what I was doing. And I kind of preached that all summer last year, um, saying that, you know, we know that the music industry, when you're talking about the majors, whether it be the labels, management, whatever it is, um, the big name artists, they have a lot more loopholes to go through before decisions are made on their careers right because there's a lot more of strategic planning as indie artists we have a lot more flexibility i don't have anybody telling me or give me a time frame of when i can do something if i decide tomorrow i'm going to do this well i can go do it right and there's not i don't have to get okays for everything and so i found that's where we had a lot more flexibility and you can get a lot more done a lot more quickly and that's why last summer that festival that was put together in three weeks others in the industry said how did you do that in 3 weeks that's unheard of i said because i don't have to go through a million hurdles you know and in, in trying to put and i funded it myself i just i made all the decisions on it i got all the people on board and once i put the idea out there all of a sudden i had tons of people volunteering whether it was their time or equipment or whatever it may be and so you know it just it showed people what's possible as an independent artist if you just take the chance And put yourself out there to try and do something like that. What do you have to lose? You only have something to gain. And if nothing else, you'll learn from it, you know. So that's all I say. Just get out there and do it.
0: Yeah, I always envisioned sort of that quiet time of nobody being able to play as a golden opportunity for local artists. I mean, without being overshadowed by the big names that were always coming in and usurping, usurping all of those, you know, two or three hundred dollar concert tickets. Let's focus on the, the, the community artists, the local indie artists yeah. and get out there and, and work your stuff to have your you know whether it's whether it's in a small community or whether it's in a large city like toronto and work it and get people to know you you know start to garner a following gathering fans if you will before The Drakes and the Rolling Stones start hitting the stage.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, I was saying last summer, again, I keep using the festival as an example because it was a prime example of that. We got coverage that we may not have otherwise gotten. So, for example, one of the biggest country stations, KX94, I remember going to their page. We were the only festival on the events page. (laughs) You know, where is that going to happen? And so they were doing ticket giveaways. I gave them tickets to give away. And so we had all this, you know, radio promotion happening. Global news came and, you know, reported live. They were also doing um, interviews with me beforehand. So I got to be on Global News. Yay. And, um, you know, things like Canadian Musician also talked about it. FYI Music News. I got a lot of coverage about the festival because there really wasn't much going on. And I think a lot of people were surprised that here's a bunch of indie artists creating a festival, you know, um, at a time when some bigger name artists were not able to do that. So I think it really shone a light on that. And then this year when I did the festival again, it was so much easier to get that same kind of attention only because it had happened last year. I had made those contacts at a time when they didn't have much going on and we're so happy that anything was going on. So now it's helped me even later on when things have been back up and running It was a little bit more of a challenge this year, though, getting people out because of that. Like the same weekend I had my festival, there was other festivals happening. So yes, now you're competing with other people, but that's still okay. You know, we had a lot of the same people who showed up last year, show up this year. And so it's only growing and I can see the growth in it. And that's all that matters.
0: And I got to go this year and that was a really great food truck. (laughs) Yeah, so I start coming. I talk about the food. The chicken sandwich was to die for. I kept hearing that. The music was fabulous (laughs) and the crowd loved it. Yeah, and it so was it was fantastic. it was a really I had a lot of fun. It was a great day. It was a beautiful weather. Yeah, to be to to be outside in that field. So well, I manifested I the it.
1: weather. Just so you know, it's a long day. You
0: know, and that's It was the a thing. long day. Yeah, I But
1: was, It was fun. Absolutely, that's the thing. You know, I'm all about being out in the outdoors. And that's why I love summer so much. And if I could move to Hawaii, I would. Maybe I will. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hawaii. <laughs> What's one piece of advice mm-hmm. you would give to a young musician today?
1: Follow your heart. Be yourself. You know, I just saw this morning, I think his name is Michael Ray. He's also a country singer. And um, we met on Instagram. And he made this post talking about, I have an announcement to make. I'm going to be doing a change of direction into gospel music. I feel a calling into that. And, you know, it was this very honest video. And I thought... I love this because that's what you have to do. And I'm friends also with Taylor Wilson, who's another country artist, and she's very much a rocker. And we had a conversation where she said, you know, I'm kind of weary about doing rock music, but that's really where my heart is. I said, you can't be sitting and writing for country radio when your heart is in rock. You know, I have songs that have nothing to do with country. Like Outlaw wasn't played by country radio. And I'm totally okay with that. I don't need it to be played by kind of, if it is fantastic. But at the end of the day, I have to write and record music that feels good for me because I'm going to have to sing those songs. God knows how long my career will go, but as long as it goes, you know, I'm going to have to get up on stage and perform those songs. I don't want to be performing songs that I wrote because I think this is going to be a great radio hit, but it really means nothing to me and it doesn't represent who I am. So staying true to yourself is first and foremost. And that's why the less outside influence you can have, you know, we were talking about having management labels, so on. I'm, I'm not putting down any of that. But what I'm saying is you really need to establish who you are as an artist before you think of any of that, before you bring anybody else on board and really know who you are.
0: From Axl Rose to country. And you bring a bit of Axl to every show. Absolutely. Well, I mean, tomorrow uh, night, right? On the t-shirt. <laughs> Even. Well, ACDC, nobody can see yes, this right now, are. but I got my That's ACDC right. shirt on. today. Yes, yeah, hard rock and country. Yep, Good blend. Country rock. Right. What have you found to be the most difficult or challenging during the pandemic?
1: Nothing. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds so cocky. Louder, please. But it's true. You know, I don't see anything as like, I. I don't know. I just, I find a way around it. It's like, you know, if somebody closes a door, you go through the window. If they close the window, you find somewhere. Like, there's just, there's always a way around things. You just got to get creative. And I love the challenge of it. I love if I'm told you can't make this happen. Oh, yes, I will.
0: <laughs> you wait and see. <laughs> What's the one song you would turn to if you felt like nothing else, you know, to help you along, If not, if you felt nothing else could? Hmm.
1: There's two songs and that going. come to mind. I love Imagine by, uh, you're talking about somebody else's song, right? Any song? Yeah, John Lennon, Imagine. I just, I love that song. It makes me cry in a good way.
0: <laughs> How are you moving forward for the rest of the year and into 2022? What are your plans?
1: Um, I have a couple more shows coming up, so I'm excited about that. After that, I really want to work on the songwriting thing. You know, I see myself as focusing on songwriting, so I want to experiment with that songwriting with different people. I'd love to get songs placed in shows and, you know, because that's another way, of course, of, you know, just sustaining a career in the music industry without necessarily having to perform live, especially come winter months. We don't know where this is going. But um, yeah, so just, you know, those two things is syncing music. So trying to make connections there and songwriting.
0: What's the most impactful thing you've learned over the past 18 months? Do what you love because there's no time for anything else. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Little Miss Sunshine. Definitely. I love it. Two positives to come out of this. One personally Mm -hmm. and one professionally.
1: Uh, I got to spend a lot more time with my kids. Just fantastic. Got to know them (laughs) as adults now. Like they're 18 and 20, which is crazy, you know, but we spend so much time together and I'm there for them. For years, I'd worked in airlines, as you know, and um You know, I was managing a station in the Middle East where I was working 15, 16 hour days, coming home, opening up my laptop, you know, we'd have dinner, whatever vacations were spent with laptops. So that's where I talk about, you know, I say to you that we've all been through different things in life. And from that, if you don't learn, that's where the fault is. But if you learn, then you go, I'm not going to do that anymore. That's not how I want to live life. So I feel like where I am right now in my life, where number one, I'm doing music full time because I was let go from my job a year and a half ago, and it was the best day of my life. Not because I didn't love aviation. It is a passion of mine, and I love everything it's afforded me, all, all the opportunities and everything else. But I'm at a place in my life right now that I believe I put myself here because it's what I wanted. And so the personal positive is definitely spending more time with my family and around my friends that I love. I have so much time now and that I'm doing what I love. So being very picky with your time you know, picking and choosing how you spend your time because it's the one thing you never get back. It's, when it's gone, it's gone.
0: And it's the best gift you can give.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's the most valuable thing you can give to people.
0: If you could choose one artist or band you've dreamed of performing or sharing a stage (laughs) with, who would that be? And I think I already know the answer to this one.
1: I think people are bored of it as much as I said it, but I got to keep saying it. Axl Rose. Yeah, and Stevie Nicks though, on the female side. Actually, there's a few of them. Joan Jett. I like her.
0: <laughs> yeah, she just turned 70, I
1: believe. I know, which yeah, is it's crazy. Yeah. But yeah. she's so badass. I love her.
0: What brings you joy now? Living, being alive. And
1: because if you can see the joys of everything, like being here, you know, having this beautiful cup of tea, which nobody can see. I think people miss the small things. And again, I know it's so cliche, but we're looking for the big things in life. And then all of a sudden your expectations are not met because you're expecting these big, incredible, wonderful things to happen. If they don't happen, it's like, oh, life isn't good. No, there's like, for me, value most of all is in relationships. So the people that I've gotten to know because of music, my family, my friends, I find life as you go through it, you start to filter whether you like it or not, it gets filtered for you too, right? So that the people around you are only the people that you really want to spend time with. And for me, the value is in that. And I'm starting to see how important that is. And having the time now to be able to spend with the people that I love and that I've chosen to be with has been one of the most beautiful things. And just seeing it for what it is and appreciating it for what it is.
0: Is there anything else you would like to add? Yes, let love rule. (laughs) Peace sign. Thank you so much, Susie Corey, Pat, thank for joining you. me at Soundhouse Studios. Thanks, John. This interview was recorded at Soundhouse Studio, located on Eastern Avenue in Toronto, Canada. Owned by producer-engineer John Jameson, John is also my co-editor and mixer for all the interviews we record at Soundhouse. He makes us all sound good, and me sound like I know what I'm doing. With respect for the times we live in right now, all appropriate safety measures are taken during any in-person interview recorded at Soundhouse. Many thanks go to Eddie and Quincy Bullen and Paul DeLong for writing and performing the fantastic theme music for the show. And to all of you who have tuned in to listen to what these artists have to say, thank you for taking the time and inviting us into your cars, offices, and homes. I am Pap Live. You're listening to Love the Music. Have a great day and a wonderful evening.